I'm going to call this the internet has gone a little crazy. And that's what these three uh, topics show us. Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. I'm Steve Magnus, joined as always by my good friend and colleague Brad Stolberg. Brad, how's it going, my man? It's going well, Steve. It is lovely to see you and to be back in action. Why don't you give a quick update to the listeners? How are things going in Babyland? Are you feeling well rested and recovered for your first podcast back? You know, I am sleep deprived, fatigued. My five mile run has become slower than I thought possible and harder than I thought possible. But I've got a wonderful, healthy, happy newborn staring at me in my face whenever I feel tired and down. So I have no complaints. You know, I'm just uh, not getting much done, but I got a baby. So here we are. Here we are. That is a very healthy expectancy and will be the expectancy most likely for the next 16 to 19 years of your life. So I'm glad that you're getting used to it. But in all seriousness, we're really stoked for you. Um, and uh, welcome to the the brotherhood, the sisterhood of parents. Yeah, so I'm just going to claim anything I say crazy on this podcast or social media over the next, I don't know, a couple months, you can just blame that on, you know, getting only a couple hours of sleep. So there's my disclaimer. So I have full, full permission now to just go off the handle. Yeah, already blaming your child for things that they're not complicit in, Steve. Way to go. <laughs> Good parenting 101. All right. Well, um, your first episode back, we are going to take on some timely topics that are pretty absurd and outrageous. And, you know, we try not to just make this podcast a whack-a-mole of what's happening in current events or what's trending on the internet. But the things that we want to talk about today are not just acute events. We see them as bellwethers of more longstanding trends that are happening uh, more broadly that ultimately come to affect all of us. So with that, Steve, why don't you tee up the three topics that we thought were interesting enough to release from our usual agenda and um, discuss these current events today? Yeah, I'm going to call this, though, internet has gone a little crazy. And that's what these three uh, topics show us. So number one, we've got, we'll just call it Lance Armstrong is the arbor is trying to be the arbitrator of fairness. So he's having conversations or releasing a podcast conversation on one of the most controversial uh, topics in sport, um, trans athletes competing in sport. And he's saying, we're going to talk about fairness and, you know, balancing those things out. The second topic we've got, to cover is RFK Jr., who recently had some pictures posted of him in jeans without a shirt on, lifting and and looking, you know, for a gosh, I think almost 70-year-old guy, you know, looking kind of jacked. I'm sure that Brad also lifts in jeans and uh, no shirt. I'm sure that's his go-to as well. But we're going to talk about how that kind of took over the internet. And also not just RFK Jr., but also kind of the look at how 
some people who are like anti-vaccine or just very skeptical and pharma also sometimes tend to be on either boatloads of supplements or testosterone or even HGH. We're looking beyond RFK to Rogan and maybe Alex Jones as well. And then the last one <laughs> is... Uh, is Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg, the tech titans, no, not competing to go to space or win the internet, but in a potential literal cage match, which is, you know, just bizarro world that we're discussing this, but we're going to kind of go into the meaning of what that is and why that might be. And we're going to strive to draw serious implications from this. So we're not just trying to sit around and gossip about what is trending on Twitter or on Instagram. We do enough of that offline. So let's start with Lance Armstrong inserting himself as um, somebody that wants to be the curious cat that is going to dive into the very thorny issue of transgender athletes competing at high levels of sport. In particular, we are talking about Men, biological men, biological boys who transition to feminine females and therefore want to compete in the division of their gender. Um, Sometimes this is done without gender-affirming care. Often it's done with gender-affirming care. It is a very thorny topic with very few good answers. So we're not here to talk about that topic. But Lance Armstrong, like even though what he wrote I found actually to be quite thoughtful. How is this guy so delusional that he thinks like, you know, this is, this is potentially like a once in a generation thorny issue on fairness and sport. And Lance is like, Oh, hold my beer. I got this. And I think the broader thing then is like, can you separate someone's words from their actions? And can you like Kanye's music while thinking Kanye West is absolutely crazy? That's a very extreme example. Um, so I think those are the two things. So Steve, you are someone that met Lance Armstrong. If I remember right, you actually worked with Lance Armstrong for a small period of time. Um, so I'm going to stop talking and turn it over to you. I did. So I knew Lance and worked with him and gave him some running programs actually when he was before he went on Oprah and all that stuff when I was part of Nike. Um, so I've had some experience in her interaction with him. And, and here's what I'll say is I, I agree. I think that Part of what he wrote was kind of, hey, why can't we have a conversation on this about, I think it was curious, being curious about the fairness of trans athletes in sport, yet not be labeled as a transphobe or bigot. Uh, that's, a, you know, that's nothing wrong with that question or, or statement. But here's where I have a problem. And I, I want to make this clear. And of course, I'm a little biased here as a whistleblower myself. But here, here's the problem I have is... The conversation should be about fairness versus inclusion on this trans athlete. But when we have Lance Armstrong, the guy who literally cheated his way through sport to become, you know, whatever, seven-time Tour de France winner, literally cheated and had one of the most, you know, um, uh, organized doping things that we've seen in history. And then not only that cheating, but along the way, Forget fairness. Forget the kind of excuse of like, oh, everyone was doing it. He literally tried to destroy people's lives 
who spoke up and spoke what we now know is the truth. So anybody who whistleblowed on him, um, he just came at them and tried to destroy them maliciously. And people might say, well, that was in the past. And that's true. People change and update. But I think the problem I have with Lance being the person on like, oh, let's, let's talk about fairness in sport is that he never truly made amends for that. He never truly apologized to the people, again, whose lives he did ruin for a while. He never did kind of fully come clean and say, hey, you know, this is this is what happened. This is why I'm sorry. This is how I'm updating my views, beliefs. This is where I got things wrong. He just tried to kind of push it in the back burner, you know, post some snarky pictures of all his Tour de France jerseys and just kind of move on from it. And that's his right to do so. And we can't maybe hold grudges along the whole time, like time moves on. But it also tells us that, again, to me, the analogy I like to use is it's like us going to Elizabeth Holmes right now for business ethics advice. Someone who hasn't acknowledged the reality that like what they did was wrong and you know people suffered because of it. So I think in this case, it's just kind of crazy to me that he's inserting himself in a situation where literally the it, it, he's calling for like a discussion on dialogue on fairness in sport, which is like his antithesis. I completely agree with your very um, concise summary of the situation. I think that it is absolutely outrageous and just like such a lack of uh, self-awareness <laughs> on his part um, to um, to do this without having really ever fully apologized and uh, come to terms with all the carnage that his lying and cheating left in its wake. I think that the second issue of can you separate the work from the person, that to me is a trickier one, but I think in this case, the work is the thing that the person messed up. So in Kanye's case, and I am no Kanye West apologist, Kanye's music, you could say, is brilliant for a number of different reasons. Kanye West is also like questions the Holocaust and, um, is quite racist towards his own people of African-American heritage. That is not good, but it's very separate than like making an innovative beat. Now, if Kanye West was trying to be world-class at Holocaust studies or studies of systemic racism or slavery and was saying these things, then I think it's impossible to take the work seriously. And in this case, I just have such a hard time taking someone like Lance Armstrong seriously on a conversation about fairness because it's the very area of his life where his actions have run completely contrary to what he's trying to do. And to your point, it's not like past is past. He hasn't even really put it in the past because he hasn't fully confronted it. So if Lance Armstrong like wanted to do a podcast on folk music and it was like a world-class podcast on folk music, I might be like... I don't like Lance. I don't like what Lance has done, but this is a great podcast on folk music, but he's not trying to do that. And then the other thing I'll say is I can't help but wonder when people in these situations um, put on like what could even be called a facade of caring. And I don't know if it's a facade. I don't know Lance, 
But you can't help but think like, is this just a person that is addicted to attention and wants to be in the spotlight and sees an interesting issue and says, all right, this is going to get me the attention that I want. I think you're spot on there. And I think, again, I'm biased. I've dealt, dealt with Lance. I dealt with, you know, he was a supporter of the person I blew the whistle on, Alberto Salazar. So I, I, I have that bias, but I also had the behind the scenes of seeing the destruction that A, his, his situation caused because I got to know some of those whistleblowers on him and similar situations. But here, here's what I would say is if Lance really cared about fairness in sport, Given his experience, what could he do? Well, he has the experience of knowing the undergrounds of how cheating in sport actually occurs. So if he actually cared about fairness, he could simply say, you know what, U.S. anti-doping, you know, you got me. I was pissed off for a while, but I'm turning a new leaf. I'm going to show you behind the scenes on how it's done. Who, who is susceptible, like how it all works, how the doctors do this, how it, it and, and that would move the needle on fairness in sport. And I would have a, if he did that, then I would say, you know what? He does care about fairness in sport now. And again, this isn't doping that we're talking about, but I think that gets to that, that point here is if it's really about fairness in sport, like you can't separate the person from the work in this situation, because to me, the underlying evidence shows that he doesn't really care. That's right. And on this thorny issue in particular, um, what I would say is we need someone that does have a lot of skin in the game and that does really care because it is a really tricky issue. Uh, I think that on the far extreme on the left, people deny the role of biology in sport. And those people tend to be those who have never competed at even close to an elite level. Um, there's a reason that supplemental testosterone and human growth hormone is illegal in sport because it changes your biology in a way that makes you better at what you do. And on the right, I think that a lot of people that don't care about fairness in sport have taken this on as a wedge issue because it's an excuse to um, continue to inflict pain on people that identify as transgender or opposite from their sex, and they don't really care. I do think, however, there are a lot of very thoughtful people in the middle that realize that, again, this is a thorny ethical issue with no clear good answers, but the the answer can't just be to let inertia carry it on and have one side that denies the role of biology yelling at a side of bigots. That just won't work. Spot on conversations need to be had on. Um, I think that's where Lance was, you know, said some things where it's like, we need to have these conversations. I do think that I think some people are trying to have those conversations. I just don't think Lance is the, uh, the person to do so. We need thoughtful, nuanced people who, again, like you said, have some experience and skin in the game, um, and actually care about sport, um, on all sides of it versus someone who, who doesn't. So the second issue, speaking of um, Lance knowing precisely how the ins and outs of doping work, uh, I hate to come back to RFK Jr. and his um, pretty swift and intense rise as a potential presidential candidate. Um, This is going to be our second time talking about him in just as many weeks. We talked about the absurd claims that he made on the Joe Rogan podcast and why science 
versus conspiracy theories is going to be a battle for, unfortunately, at least the next decade. I can't see it being any shorter, potentially the rest of our lifetimes. But now the plot twists in an even more funny way. So as Steve mentioned, RFK Jr. has taken to posting many pictures of himself without his shirt on, training pretty hard. And the response is, well, why would I listen to Joe Biden or a vaccine scientist about anything when they're not nearly as fit and as strong as this guy? And um, again, anyone that's been around elite sport that saw those videos of a 69-year-old doing what he was doing and looking what he was looking like, didn't take him long to say with like 97 to 99.9% certainty that RFK Jr. is, in the words of the Jim Bros, tuned the fuck up on testosterone. <laughs> and there's a couple of things here. I just want to like call out the absurdity and then maybe Steve, you can help me unpack it in a way that like has some meaning. And I think the meaning is like we really struggle to separate being good in X or looking good in X from actually doing a job that's completely different. But just the facts, RFK Jr.'s recent rise has largely come on the heels of a very outspoken campaign against quote-unquote big pharma and crappy regulations of long-standing medications and vaccines where there is bevies of research on effectiveness. RFK Jr. seems to be taking pharmaceutical products off-label where there is not a lot of research on their safety or long-term effects. He is using pictures of himself bench-pressing while taking those medications to claim that he should be the president of the United States of America. So where I left this is I think that RFK Jr.'s new nickname ought to be Big Pharma. If a 69-year-old worked out in my gym and trained without his shirt on, tuned up in blue jeans and put up heavy weight, I would be calling him Big Pharma. So that's just what I'm going to call RFK Jr. from now. But just the absurdity of the the situation is um, is is really pretty insane. I mean, there aren't many other words for it. And then, of course, um, even besides that insanity, what what does bench pressing a lot of weight have to do with being president of America. <laughs> so I want to tackle this. I think you're, again, spot on. We agree. I want to tackle this in two ways. First, I want to expand it out. And just the absurdity of, again, we don't know for sure if RFK Jr. is on something or not. But again, if you've been around the sport, you know, I talked to some people in the lifting community who know a lot more than me as well, who said the same thing. He is 69 years old. If you look at that video, like a 69 year old does not look like that unless they are on the stuff. I, a hundred percent. We don't want to get, we don't want to have lawsuits coming into the growth equation. So we can't say with certainty, we're not investigators. I haven't looked at RFK Jr.'s piss or his blood, but Either he is a freak athlete and he shouldn't be running for president, he should be doing the 69-year-old version of the CrossFit Games, or he's on the stuff, or maybe both. Absolutely. I'm just hedging to protect uh, us um, from getting sued. Um, But if you've been around sport, it's very, 
very obvious, especially with aging. Um, but what I want to expand this out to is if you look at other people in this camp, like Joe Rogan, well, we know confirmed HGH testosterone crazy supplements. We look at other people, Alex Jones, even further out in this kind of anti-vax pharma conspiracy, like not confirmed HGH or testosterone, but crazy supplements and lots of speculation in that area as well based on this physique and age. And it just strikes me that, again, you have people who, you know, are skeptical of controlled trials and studies, but are going to go dabble just to get bigger muscles and some vanity in when they age, which is just it's just the dichotomy there. It's just kind of crazy. But the other analogy, I think the bigger picture on this, I think is a is something that I see online all the time. And actually, we've had this conversation as well, Brad, is like the looks over the knowledge and application. So, for example, there's a beam going around with a picture of RFK Jr. versus Peter Hotez, the vaccine scientist, on saying, who would you trust with your health? And and to get at this one, because I think this is hard to wrap your head around, but there's two analogies I'll use is go look at all the Instagram bros who look jacked and whatsoever. And most of the time they're pitching the worst kind of diet supplements, et cetera, for your health possible. Like they're, they're, they're extreme keto, extreme, you know, all protein, you know, diets or mostly protein diets, whatever, just stuff that we know from the research and science isn't the best way to either get healthy or perform at your best. So there's that. And then the other all, all that stuff does is prove, by the way, that back to our first topic, that taking testosterone or that testosterone and HGH are like really effective because you can have a pretty shitty diet and pretty crappy training and get pretty strong if you're dope to the gills. Well, there was one small, it was a smaller study, but I was looking at it actually yesterday that showed that <laughs> in novices essentially not hardcore training, but a novice is like if you gave some males some testosterone and didn't have them train, or you didn't give them testosterone and just had them start training, the ones you gave testosterone saw greater increases in muscle size. So, like, we know this. Testosterone works. If you combine it with training, it works even more. But it's like the cheat code to things. So, uh, again, but the other analogy I'll use away from drugs is the sport coaching one, which is if we look at, you know, elite sport, sometimes you'd be like, oh, the best of the best players would become the best of the best coaches. And sometimes that's the case, but often it's not, right? Often you see people like, I don't know, Bill Belichick or Greg Popovich or in um, in track and field, we have wonderful examples of, you know, former football coaches who never ran a day in their life becoming, you know, elite world-class level distance coaches. Because doing the thing and coaching or teaching the thing are often different skill sets. So you can have, you know, again an overweight coach 
who might be among the best distance endurance coaches in the world because they know how to coach it up and apply it. And no one says, oh, like, look at that person. They're not Elliot Kipchoge out there being fit and looking great. You don't say that. You say, oh, this person can obviously coach. Like, they know what to do. They might not know how to, you know, maybe they run an eight-minute mile instead of a four-minute mile, but, like, they know how to apply it. And I think, again, kind of intuitively, we kind of think or expect that, like, oh, you know, the looks have to go along with the coaching or ability. And often they're disconnected to a degree. Well, and in this case, it's not even like an exact transfer. Like you could argue that a coach needs to um, have played the sport to be a good coach, which, as you pointed out, is a false argument. But in this case, being president of America and lifting weight have nothing to do with each other. I mean, you could say that lifting weight takes discipline and being president takes discipline, but that is like a very kind of kindergarten level argument because so many things in life take discipline and being president is a lot harder than showing up to the gym consistently. I do want to circle back to one thing that you said, which is... And I know that this can be a really triggering topic from you for you, so I'm going to insert a little bit of nuance here. I don't necessarily have anything wrong with taking testosterone as you age. I think that if it were to prove that it reduces the risk of falls, which we know can be the start of a pretty precipitous decline for people over 70, then maybe it's a good idea. Maybe we should medicalize testosterone, and maybe everyone should be on it when they hit a certain age. The point is that those trials haven't been done. Where smaller trials have been done, they show a harmful effect. And like it's just the the hypocrisy to run a campaign questioning big pharma and regulators and then go take a pharmaceutical substance that is not at all regulated in the way that you're taking it. It's just way too much for me to stomach. So I don't want to fall on the bashing supplemental testosterone train. No, I'm not on the juice, but I do think that like these are interesting questions to ask, again, especially when we look at frailty as a real leading cause of decline in aging people, but that's not what RFK Jr. is doing here. And even if he was, he couldn't do that because then he'd be going back to like pharma and he'd have to come up with some theory about how the stuff is you know, causing old people to have dementia or whatever. I don't know. Maybe, maybe testosterone does. I haven't looked at the research, but I think that y'all see my point, um, which is just like it... it it, you you can tell by the way that I'm struggling to come up with words here is it just makes my brain explode that more people can't see the hypocrisy in this. And then the mental gymnastics that people can do where they say, well, he's not against pharma, he's against unsafe meds. So now you're telling me that MMR vaccines that we have decades of data on are unsafe, but getting you know shot up in the back of your Gold's Gym men's room is safe? I mean, it's so... It's so outrageous. Um, and it gets right back to Joe Rogan, who is on this train of questioning, you know, everything that is official and studied, but has enormous partnerships with supplement companies where he makes a ton of money. We know that supplement companies are unregulated, they're tainted. We talked about this two weeks ago. So the point is, growth equation listeners, uh, we appreciate your sanity. And um it's really hard to change people's minds on this. And, you know, the one thing I'd say, and I, I actually agree, I think, like, if there's a medica- medical necessity and research shows it and you're not trying to compete in sport or high-level sport, like, 
whatever, like if, if testosterone helps decrease or helps improve longevity and a healthy aging and doesn't have side effects, then great. Um, I think that needs to be studied. But one point I'll make, Brad, is that... Which we're capable of doing. We've done this for yes. creatine. So right. like 20 years ago, creatine was kind of at the level of testosterone where it's clear that it, a lot of people respond and it makes them much stronger. But there were all these concerns about safety. Creatine's now been studied up the wazoo. And it turns out that creatine's actually pretty safe. And a handful of doctors recommend it to non-athletic aging people for the very reason that falls become a bigger risk and then the balance shifts. Uh, and the one caveat I'd go there is creatine is not a hormone like testosterone. So whenever you change hormones, you change a whole hell of a lot. And this is where I was going to go with this is maybe we don't want our president on testosterone because there's a whole line of studies and research on what happens when you give investors testosterone. And it all shows that their performance decreases, their decision-making gets worse. And in one study, I'm gonna, it said, quote, giving investors testosterone resulted in larger and longer-lasting stock bubbles. Why? Because it fundamentally changed people's kind of risk-taking and perception in a very negative way. So they started taking big risks, which made them lose money in a simulated stock environment. So maybe from a decision-making standpoint, being jacked for a seven-year-old who's going to try and be president might not be what we want. I think that's well said. So let's use that then. Speaking of being jacked and making poor decisions and being juiced up and machismo peacocking expressions of manhood to transition to our third topic of the day, which is um, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk getting into a back and forth on the internet, which led to a challenge. Elon Musk, I believe I have this right, Elon Musk proposed to Mark Zuckerberg that they resolve their discrepancies by fighting in a cage. <laughs> to which Mark Zuckerberg said, bring it on. Oh, Steve. I mean, I, I, I don't even know where to go here other than where I always go, which is the most prescient book of all time, Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death, written in the 80s, when Postman basically said that modern technology is destroying our ability to pay attention to serious things in a serious way. At the time, he was worried about television and cable news, and Postman has since passed away. But if Postman is looking down on us from heaven, he is just validated as can be because there are so many problems with social media. So many problems. Democracy is failing. Insane rates of suicidality and depression in teenagers, especially girls, that we can link more or less causally to these platforms that aren't all bad, right? We're going to share this podcast on social media. So I want to be clear. We've, we've talked about this. They're not all bad, but there are a lot of bad things about them that need a lot of problem solving. And the CEOs of these two companies are challenging each other to cage matches I mean, here we are. 
And I really do think uh, what is going on is that the internet has just um, become like, well, a couple of things. One, I think that social media and running a big company like that isn't real in the sense that you're not doing something real in the world. And especially if you run a company like Elon Musk does, where if you challenge him, you get fired. Everyone just says yes to him. I don't think it's that hard to run Twitter the way that Elon Musk is running Twitter right now. I don't know as much about Zuckerberg. So for them, maybe like they need to do this to feel like they're actually good at something or they're actually tough. Um, but it was so clearly like a show of I'm better than you, so I will fight you in a cage. And that's our most base instinct, and I'm not going to be above it. There have been multiple times where I've called Steve and said, Steve, I really want to challenge Ted Cruz to a cage match on the internet. And Steve says, Brad, I don't think that's your higher self talking, and I don't think you should do that. So then I don't. The reason I do is because I get so pissed off at that guy and like I want to just like, Ugh. and it's okay to have those urges occasionally, but being a mature adult is not acting on those urges. And it's just crazy that the two people running two of the most influential biggest companies in the world are not mature adults and therefore act on those urges. You know what this reminds me of? There's this wonderful movie called Idiocracy that came out in like, I don't know, 2005, something like that. Uh, (laughs) And if you haven't, just go watch it. It's kind of prescient as well. Um, But it reminds me, they have this character, which is President Camacho. And it's just like this (laughs) Terry Crews playing like this big buff guy who has lots of guns and fires, you know, shoots things in the middle of his his state his quote unquote states of state of the union and challenge people to fight and all that stuff and that's what it just reminded me of because like what did they do they solve solve their problems by like violence and fighting and like this kind of prehistoric kind of resolution of things and that's what this zuckerberg versus elon thing kind of reminded me of of like oh my gosh we're we're going back to the back to the days but the other thing that kind of came to mind and we talked about this briefly on a podcast a long time ago is i have this kind of high school theory of life where life is just like high school and this just i think you said these words so i'm borrowing them from you but just this just reminds me of the nerds who, you know, at some point get successful and want to be jocks. So they try and get buff. And, you know, it's just that's what this screams of is two super nerds who, you know, try to fulfill themselves through money and success. And, and what do they do deep down? They want to be the jocks. So they start lifting some weights and try and fight in a cage match. Pretty funny, too, because I think that that runs the opposite direction where so many jocks mm-hmm. at the end of their athletic career want to be nerds. So, like, they they start, like, venture capital firms or they try to write books or produce TV shows. Um, so it's all funny that we all just want to be, like, what we're not. Well, it, it's, it's 100%. That's why you often see, not all the times, but some distance runners, once they were done with college, especially, like, they'd start lifting weights and getting jacked or on the opposite line, some, you know, linemen in football often become endurance junkies or, you know, get into, you know, some other sports team sports, get into things like triathlon and what have you. Why? It's just going the opposite direction. 
I think the other good thing about this is if you do listen to this show, it's a nice reminder that even if you have billions of dollars and everyone in the world knows your name, it's not going to fulfill you as much as like winning a cage match. And I'm not encouraging that y'all like challenge each other to cage matches, but it just comes back to like a good life might be doing something that you like that you think is meaningful and having enough time to train because training's great or garden or make sculptures or whatever it is that's actually real in the world. Absolutely. It's just wild. I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's just, it's just absurd. And it's just kind of sad and depressing too, that these guys are the, you know, hold the, as you said at the beginning of this, hold the two, so two of the social media platforms, which has done some good, but ultimately wreaked havoc on our mental health. You know that the head of TikTok has probably like engineered the algorithm of TikTok to lead to this cage match and is just laughing somewhere. Most likely. Yep. It also screams at, you know, spending too much time online as well. This is like a ultra online thing of like, oh, let's solve this by a, a cage match between people. But I don't yeah. know. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they go forward and do it. I saw Andrew Huberman, the huge fitness influencer was encouraging them to, um, to have the cage match and, to name the charities that they'd raise money for. And you know what, if they're going to raise millions of dollars for charity, sure. And my guess is it would be the most watched thing ever. I mean, I would probably watch it. It'd be hard not to. I think that Zuckerberg actually trains and Elon doesn't. And my guess is Zuckerberg would destroy Elon Musk and um, Elon Musk won't do it because he'll realize that. I think you're right. I think you're spot on. How do we, how do we get to a point where we're all like, we're all kind of rooting for Zuckerberg? It's insane. I mean, if you would have said that, I don't know, six, seven years ago, people are like, no way, no worry. Cause, but here we are. This is also maybe a lesson in, reputations reputation and and like a sense of decent faith and i'm going to go out on a limb and everyone is going to have a problem with what i'm about to say including myself but i'm going to say it anyways it seems like mark zuckerberg in his platforms just got way ahead of him and way over his skis and then he was too deluded to try to like do anything about it or kept telling himself a story and still does that they're fine. And that doesn't make him any less culpable. He's the CEO of a company. A lot of those companies do real harm. There are lots of problems that they're not solving, but they need to be. So I'm not forgiving him. I'm just trying to get inside his head, which is I built this thing. It grew like crazy, free speech. It's a market, blah, blah, blah. But he comes off as at least like acting in good faith, where I think Elon Musk is just so blatantly like, let's just tear it all down. I'm above everything. I don't even care. Like, yeah, let's just rile up the population in every way that we can and just be a troll. And ultimately, like, it's very hard to root for a troll. Um, So that's my sense on why deep down inside, I think everyone is being like, oh, my God, what does it say about me that I'm rooting for Zuck? And what it says about you is nothing. It just happens that, you know, you might be competing against Elon. But, um, yeah, it would be really sad and really crazy because much like RFK's weightlifting, MMA fighting in a cage has nothing to do with the sort of responsible, clear-headedness, maturity, 
required to basically do the impossible, which is to try to run a social media company that is a net benefit versus a net cost on individuals' lives and even harder on society as a whole. So my hope is that they donate money to charity without fighting in a cage and use that energy and um, drive to try to solve some of social media's problems. Yeah, I don't know, Brad. There might be some truth to it if you look online because whenever I post anything controversial, I get all sorts of people who challenge me to lifting cage match, you know, come at me, bro, because my picture is a skinny distance runner. And they often tell me that, you know, I'm not an athlete. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's the key to life. Well, to be fair, a bunch of our listeners propose that you and I do a uh, physical endeavor test. My deadlift versus your running. I think it was that we would each do a single rep deadlift and then an all out mile and somehow adjust the score. I think that anyone that thinks that I can compete with Steve doesn't really understand how fast you once were, but once were, we don't know where you're at right now, Steve. Like, is there a glimmer of hope that I could hang? You know, you're, you're, you're coming at me during my most vulnerable point of newborn, you know, induced fitness loss. So maybe, but you know, I had this friend in undergraduate school and then graduate school, um, named Josh, who was just a phenomenal athlete, played D one soccer at Wisconsin, then got really into endurance sports. And, um, the story has a happy ending. Otherwise there's no way I'd be telling it. Josh got a stage four cancer diagnosis um, shortly after we were in graduate school, uh, lymphoma that has been in remission since. And Josh is the kind of person that just like has to keep going. And this is back when I was doing my endurance sports. And um, I would never have challenged Josh to this, but Josh challenged me to a chemo versus non-chemo marathon and he still beat me. So um that just says that one, he's incredible. And two, even when people are at their most vulnerable, my track record is very bad. I'm just not that good of a runner. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing to realize is that again, talent is talent. And even like, dude, he ran two fifty one nine weeks into chemotherapy, just a freak. Yeah. I mean, I think this is again, not to, this is something that I think people struggle to understand is that, like talent is, is real. And even in an untrained state, don't get me wrong. If I did nothing, I'm not going to run that fast, but I'm going to run a lot faster than the vast majority of people. <laughs> could you, could you go five flat right now in a mile? Oh, abs- uh, absolutely. I mean, you, you have to remember, I ran five minutes for the mile in junior high doing no training because you didn't train back then. So, you know, so I'm like Elon and you're like Zuck. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, I don't know what I could do. It would be a very interesting experiment going off no training, but I, you know, I feel very comfortable that I could run something in the mid fours. We know. should, we should do it. It would just be so much fun. I'd get my ass kicked, but it would be so much fun. And then um, we know that we have a couple listeners because y'all have sent us messages that are um, sports med docs and orthopedic surgeons. So um, we'd fly you out on behalf of the growth equation to provide medical from the carnage of my all-out mile and Steve trying to deadlift. Oh, we'd be broken. 
we'd be broken. I think that's that's what the end result would. Something would tear. We'd be done. It would even even myself running an all out mile. If I really push, like something would happen, just because my body would be like, "What are you doing, man?" Like, stop. Yeah. But. Well, Steve, it's a good thing that we're on good terms. I, I'm not going to challenge you to um, a cage match. I'm not going to challenge you to an all-out mile because uh, I don't want to lose. But um, listeners, dear listeners, if you've made it this far, we appreciate you. Um, we hope that you found this entertaining but um, also kind of thought-provoking on these issues. And like we said, we don't want to be a whack-a-mole of current events. We're not going to. Um, but every once in a while, things catch our eyes that, uh, as we said in opening, on their face, they're pretty ridiculous and crazy, but underneath them, there are perhaps some broader trends at play. And uh, part of what we want to do is unpack those trends in simple terms so that you can understand them, be aware of them, and um, navigate them to the best of your ability in your own lives. So with that, thank you so much, and we will catch you for another episode next week.